Hello, welcome to another episode of the Capital Employed podcast. For this episode, we had the pleasure of being joined by Eric Burns from Sanford D. Land, who is the Chief Analyst of the Free Spirit and Buffetology Fund. In this episode, Eric talks us through the business perspective investing methodology they use at Sanford D. Land, the Porter's Five Forces framework for identifying moats and why they like steady compounders, and of course, his thesis for investing in two UK-listed companies he's bullish on for the long term. This is a great episode and I think you'll really enjoy it. Before we begin, we have recently launched a Capital Employed letter. We will be doing two write-ups per month about stocks that have piqued our interest. These will mostly be quality growing small caps from around the world, so if that sounds like your cup of tea, visit capitalemployed.substack.com and add your email to the list. That's capitalemployed.substack.com. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Eric. Hi, Eric. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Good morning, John. Can you provide a brief overview of the Sanford Dillon Free Spirit Fund and what is the um, investment style? Yeah, sure. Uh, Free Spirit is an all-cap fund. It's got 128 million assets under management. Uh, Your listeners may be familiar with its much larger cousin, the UK Buffetology Fund, Um, and it's run by exactly the same investment team and under the same business perspective investing principles that we'll talk through uh, shortly. Uh, Half of the companies numerically and just under half by net assets are uh, smaller companies, be that small cap fledgling or AIM, uh, and the balance uh, FTSE 100 and FTSE 250. The fund started uh, in early 2017, so we're just coming up to its five-year anniversary. In terms of the investment style, our house style is business perspective investing. Uh, and this was something that was practiced by Benjamin Graham, but perhaps it's more closely associated these days with Warren Buffett. Now, this approach has been in our DNA right from the very start when Keith Ashworth Lord, our CIO, launched the Buffetology Fund in 2011. Business perspective investing dictates that when you buy a share, you're buying a real economic interest in a real business. So you're not buying a gaming chip at a casino table. So everything we look at is with that in mind. To give you a flavor, we describe ourselves as business analysts rather than investment analysts. Just to explain a bit of business perspective investing, right at the outset, we ask ourselves two questions. Firstly, is this a business that I would be happy to own in its entirety? And secondly, is it a business that I would be happy to invest my entire family's net worth into? And if we can't answer yes to both of them, we close the book and move on. Okay, I love that approach. To drill down a bit more specifically, are there any business characteristics or business models that you are looking for in particular? Yeah, so the businesses we want are what Warren Buffett would term a moat. So we're looking for companies that have something a bit special Um, something that keeps the opposition's tanks off their lawn, if you like. And we attach a lot of significance to Porter's five forces for that. Um, Now, incidentally, prior to joining Sanford Deland, I'd spent 13 years as an analyst on the sell side. uh, And as part of any research note, 
we wrote, we would include a porters. But it was something that we did right at the very end. It was almost a box ticking exercise, a bit like a compliance sign off. But here at Sanford Deland, Porters is right at the very top. Uh, and it's that discipline, I think, that enables us to quickly discount businesses that we, we know are not going to be suitable for our process. Um, so as part of the Porters framework, something we're looking for are businesses with pricing power. Uh, that's how easy it is for them to put up their prices and the customers still keep coming back. And it's this approach that really gives us confidence that in a more inflationary environment, our companies are going to be able to pass on that price increase to their own customers. Now, now as a house, we refrain from making macro calls. But if we are entering a higher inflationary environment, as many seem to think, then it's exactly those sort of businesses that we want to be owning. Perhaps that gives you a, a brief overview of the qualitative assessments that we uh, are making. There's also a, a quantitative dive as well. One of the great features of the sort of businesses we're looking for is that they tend to throw off some telltale signs in their financials and ratios. Uh, and I'll walk you through a few of those now. As a starter, we want businesses where the sales line is growing. Now, we're happy to look through the odd bad year, and perhaps the last 18 months is a good example of why that's the case. But we're looking for long-term sales growth uh, over at least five to 10 years. We look at it on a compound or CAGA basis. We're not necessarily looking for ultra-high growth companies. Experience tells us they often come with greater risk. Uh, and quite often, particularly in recent markets, their valuations are stretched by traders or people playing a short-term game. Uh, we'd much prefer a steady 10 or 12% compounder than a go-go stock. We also look for profitable companies. In fact, all but one company in the portfolio is profitable. In fact, the only one that isn't business called Trellis Health that we were given as a spin-out from our holding in EKF Diagnostics. Profitability, uh, of course, feeds one of our key metrics, which is return on equity, and specifically return on average equity. Uh, what I mean by that is the arithmetic mean of the starting and ending equity positions for the year. And we look for businesses with high return on average equity at least in the teens and usually into the 20s and higher. Um, and just to throw a stat at you, the average return on average equity in free spirit at the moment is just a shade under 30%. The other thing we're looking for is, of course, cash, because it's cash that gives us, the business owners, our return, be that from dividends, share buybacks, uh, or reinvestment into the company. So we like businesses with high levels of cash conversion, uh, ideally close to 100%. But again, we'll look through the odd rough year um, as long as the, the, the trend is good. And over the last five years, the conversion has been close to 100%. What we're really interested in is how management allocates capital. This is probably what we would regard as their number one task. Now, experience tells us to be wary of these large transformative acquisitions that 
mainly serve to enrich advisors or swell egos. But we're very comfortable with sensible M&A that opens up new markets to our businesses or perhaps cements a position in a market. One thing, perhaps finally on cash, if there isn't the opportunity to invest that cash into the business in a sensible way, then we've got no problem with businesses giving us the cash back and we can deploy the capital elsewhere into a, a different holding. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's not been any mention of valuation yet. And that is something that's quite deliberate because it's not until we are comfortable with the shape of the business, both through that qualitative and quantitative screen that I've just taken you through, that we actually look at valuation. And on valuation, we don't buy a share because it's optically cheap against, uh, say, a sector or, or a peer group multiple. That does seem to be the way a lot of people look at it, especially my former colleagues on the sell side. What we will do for valuation is model out uh, our assessment of the free cash flows that we can reasonably expect uh, over 10 years of forecast, uh, plus then a, a sensible residual value. And we discount that back at 10%. Now, I'm conscious 10% might sound high, particularly in the low rate environment that we're currently in. And it's fair to say that there are others that will use a, uh, a lower discount rate. But for us, it's served us in very good stead for many years. And in an uncertain world, it, it does build in that degree of comfort, not least from predicting where the yield curve might go in the short term. Yeah, it's something that has, has served as well, that, that sort of additional uh, comfort blanket in, in the discipline. I just wanted to touch briefly back on that quarter's five forces. What are the early indications that a company may be losing its moat? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So we will look at things such as the competitive environment is key. What we like to see is businesses where they can easily deflect or respond to a competitive threat. And sometimes you, you can see that threat coming through by, say, a reduced margin. You know, margins are important. Um, and again, that comes through in the, the, the ratio analysis, you know, not, not just looking at, as I said, the, the most recent figures, but also going back over as long as we can to sort of get the trend. So Something like a competitive threat would start to show itself, I think, first of all, in, in the margin. I've noticed just reading your uh, most recent letter, you're holding around 17.5% in cash. Why are you holding that amount at the moment? Yeah, so that's a function of two things. Um, firstly, Free Spirit has grown as a fund quite well over the course of the past 12 months. So we've been... Uh, blessed with uh, good, good dollops of new cash. Uh, and secondly, as that cash has built up, we found it a little bit trickier in terms of the prices that were being asked to pay in the market to deploy that capital. So as part of the discipline process, we're not going to just deploy the cash because it's sat there if we're not being offered what we would perceive good value entry level in, into a new position. Um, so cash has built. And I think that perhaps the second thing to say 
we've been slightly nervous of the value of markets, particularly over summer as that cash was building. You'll be aware that um, market liquidity can be quite low over the summer months, and we were wary of not chasing prices higher over the quieter months. I mean, on the on the cash, looking more recently, we spent slightly more than the cash inflows in September. We have been uh, in the market actively over these past week or two, as as you've seen prices come back. And I think, you know, just on that point, I think the valuations do look a bit more healthier than perhaps they did three months ago. So if we may, can we um, jump into your portfolio? Can you talk us through two stocks that you're very bullish on for the long term? And what was your thesis for investing? Yeah, sure. The um, The first name I'd like to mention is Bytes, which is actually a new name for us. Uh, it's a business that we did start buying uh, over summer. Bytes is a, a value-added reseller of IT products and services. So it sits between the big vendors like Microsoft. Uh, and in fact, they are um, Microsoft's largest reseller in the UK market. And on the other side is typically a, a small business or a public sector department. So it's a structural growth market that's driven by the continuing digitization of businesses. Now, we didn't buy it because of what's happened with COVID, but of course, COVID and the switch to remote working uh, has obviously accelerated that transition. It's a fairly fragmented market it operates on uh, in, but um, Bytes is particularly strong in cloud and cyber. And these are two areas where customers really need that specialist provider to hold their hand rather than just going to a, an off-the-shelf or generalist solution. The, the business enjoys some very long-term relationships, both on the customer and the supplier side. And it's not uncommon that they will actually know more about a customer's requirements um, than the customer themselves. So they're a fairly critical partner uh, in that relationship. The moat with this one is human capital and how close their people are with the customers through the relationship. Its customers really treat it like a, a trusted outsourced IT department. And 90% of income comes from existing customers. Uh, and also the share of the wallet is also expanding. Uh, and to give you a further idea of why we like it. Over 60% now is from software licensing or subscriptions. So it's a pretty sticky relationship and, and source of revenue. Uh, on the financials, you heard me say it's, a, it's, a, it's really a people business. So it's quite, well, it's very capital light. Uh, and as a result, the return on average equity is over 50%. Uh, the cash conversion is actually above 100%. And perhaps one thing just to um, illustrate on the research process, uh, although this was a recent company to join the market, actually IPO'd late last year, uh, when we did the deep dive into it, we sourced figures from Companies House. We actually got back right to 2001. And that gave us a really good flavour uh, over and above what you would find in the admission document, for example. And what we could see is this has been growing fairly dependably with a CAGR of about 20%. And the returns have been pretty steady over most of that period. In fact, in more recent years, uh, they've strengthened. 
So that's why we took the decision to to buy that as a new holding. We first bought it in July and have, have added to it since then. The second company I'd like to mention is EKF Diagnostics. This has been a great business for Free Spirit. We first invested in it uh, in the early days of the fund in 2017. EKF is a provider of point of care medical testing services and equipment. Uh, it's testing for things like flu, TB, and of course, COVID. And the point I would make here, just like Bytes, although there's an obvious COVID dividend for this business, um, that's not why we bought it. In fact, we bought it long before COVID was even known about. The thing that we like here is the uh, razor and razor blades model. So they've got an installed base of analyzers, which generates an ongoing and reasonably predictable revenue stream from the sale of the proprietary consumables. So the more analyzers that they have out in the field, the greater the future requirement for the consumables. And you can see how value is really being created in this business. There's also a, a lab reagents and enzymes part. This is effectively contract manufacturing, um, but it has a great level of repeat business and also a degree of customization. Uh, and all this uh, is, of course, reflected in the financials. So it's got a gross margin that's consistently above 50%. Uh, you've also got regulatory barriers thrown in there. So you, know, you can immediately see the moat in, in that business. And although they've only started recently to pay a dividend, one of the great ways it's delivered shareholder value uh, over time has been through the spin-out of other companies. The first was a business called Renalytics, um, which is a, an AI diagnostics business which focuses on kidney disease. That was in 2018. Uh, but more recently, Trellis Health, which is the one non-profitable business that I mentioned earlier, uh, which IPO'd in May this year. Uh, now, both have done very well since their IPO. And although we divested of Renalytics, we still hold our entitlement in Trellis. Yeah, thanks for sharing those two. I'm glad you shared um talked about EFK because I, I full disclosure, I own a, f- a few shares in that company as well. Quite looking forward to seeing what they can achieve over the next, you know, four or five years. Okay, Erica, where can um listeners find out more about you and the Free Spirit Fund? So the best place to start is the website, which is Sanford-Deland.com. Uh, you can get all the fact sheet commentaries both on Free Spirit and Buffetology there. Uh, along with our team biogs. Uh, and also there's um, a stewardship framework, uh, which is something we've put a lot of work into, uh, but it's probably a discussion for another day. Okay, thanks so much, Eric, for coming onto the show. It's been a pleasure to listen to you. Thanks very much, John. Appreciate it.